It's back to school season, and what better way to be studious than by starting your own website? GoDaddy.com has hosting plans starting at just $3.95 a month, and no matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out, and save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This is Professor McGonagall welcoming you to all to MuggleCast, hoping you enjoyed. Dobby, Dobby, come here. Yeah, Dobby. Yes, well, I'd just like to say how very pleased I am to introduce MuggleCast to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Because Joe will use her Twitter to reveal she's actually writing to me, this is MuggleCast, episode 182. For October the 6th, 2009. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 182. Matt's back this week. It's been a while since Matt's been on. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. What's up? And Micah and Eric are both here, too. This has been, like, the slowest news week in the world, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, more excitingly, we are kicking off chapter by chapter once again with uh, um, Chamber Secrets, chapters one through, th- one through three. One through three. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannebell. And I'm Matt Britton. Micah, we have one story planned to talk about because, like, uh, I don't even know. Like, this, uh, the news right is so there? slow. Yeah, what's <laughs> frustrating, the news is so slow. Like, my mornings used to be made from, you know, getting up, having coffee, making breakfast, and posting news. And now it's like, what do I post? Well, you didn't mention uh, MuggleNet. It's kind of old this month. Yes, that's, well, that's newsworthy, uh, yeah, I think. That is newsworthy. Uh, MuggleNet is turning. Well, this month, October marks ten years since uh, MuggleNet started in the fall of '99. So, happy birthday! To MuggleNet! To MuggleNet! To MuggleNet! To MuggleNet! All right, so <laughs> we'll talk about. We'll focus on that in a later episode. Uh, we're gonna have Emerson on. And we'll talk with him about, you know, when he created the site, why he, you know, we'll have a nice little interview on here with Emerson, because he's actually never been on a pre-recorded episode of MuggleCast. Oh, yeah. It's always been the live shows. Right. So anyway, uh, besides that news item, Micah, what else is going on? Well, it seems like uh, J.K. Rowling finally caught up with the 21st century and uh, 
Ouch. What? Ouch. Well, if you notice, mean. well, she hasn't updated her site in quite a bit of time. And <laughs> hey, look, we're all entitled to vacation, and, and she certainly has earned it over the course of these last few years. But uh, I, I don't even know, to be honest with you, why she got a Twitter account. I think it was more to <laughs> kind of prove that this is, in fact, really her, as opposed to other people going out there and posing uh, as her on Twitter. And uh, for right now, she hasn't made too many updates. Uh, she made one on September the yeah. 17th. And uh, she said, I'm told that people have been Twittering on my behalf, so I thought a brief visit was in order just to prevent any more confusion. However, I should flag up now that although I could Twitter endlessly, I'm afraid you won't be hearing from me very often, as pen and paper is my priority at the moment. There, Mike, it took you 20 seconds to read all of the tweets that J.K. Rowling has currently composed. Well, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> if you're not going to use it as a resource to, to interact... She told you. Have you. Did you read what you just read? Mikey, you sound bitter. Yeah, she's, yeah. Busy, she's busy writing and the encyclopedia. People are posing as her. She cleared that up. Or so you think it's the encyclopedia. She could be writing anything, for all we know. She could be writing well, a letter to me. the general consensus What's is that... What's it matter if she's, she's writing... The encyclopedia. She's writing. Isn't that just good enough for you? I, I don't. I don't know how to tell you guys this, but the books—they're kind of done, dude. You, you guys are like J.K. Rowling hasn't updated her site in ever. Um, sorry, but I just well, there is a vast amount of information she could be divulging. However, well, she could be saving it for the encyclopedia. Yeah, that's the thing. Every, the only things that she could be adding on the site are just probably the stuff she's going to put in her book. What is she yeah. going to do? Really, another, 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 another unlocked door. On her site, wouldn't that be? I think that'd be wonderful. I agree. In, you know, I agree. I don't know. There's, there's stuff. There used to be the FAQ poll, but whatever. I mean, listen. You know, maybe she's moved on from wanting to do her site. But I think the Twitter's a cool thing. It's, it's, it's a good idea. Um, let's see. That that Twitter's been up for since September 25th. So Se- what is that? Seventeenth. Like? So it's it's September a couple weeks. Seventeenth. Right. Yeah. So she's gotten about fifty-eight thousand followers in just about two weeks' time, which is and pretty good. And here's a comparison between J.K. Rowling and a normal person. J.K. Rowling <laughs> has had a Twitter uh, since September seventeenth, and she has fifty-eight thousand two hundred and thirty followers. I, um, because I like statistics, also joined Twitter on the seventeenth, and I have two hundred and forty-two followers on Twitter. Now, so I joined the same day as Joe because Joe did, and that is how popular Joe is. Well, you're going to gain a lot more followers by the fact that you just said you created a Twitter account <laughs> on Mobilecast. I don't think so. I right. think they, I think they all pretty much already know, man. Well, I wonder what the Twitter accounts, the fake J.K. Rowling Twitter accounts, were That's twittering. The thing, because she wouldn't be able to get J.K. Rowling if somebody else were posing as J.K. Rowling, could she? Well, somebody right. else had it actually, and there's this good site called Twitterholic.com, okay. Twitterholic.com, and I noticed when you type in J.K. Rowling, uh, her, her handle, it hasn't been updated in a while, and it shows tweets that must have been from a fake person. So I think if any celebrity went to the Twitter people and were like. Hey, this is my name. They're obviously impersonating me. Please take mm-hmm. this down. I think they will. Well, what's shocking to me is you can change your username on Twitter, can't you? Right, right. And that's can that just be done like any amount of times as ever? Like I think so. Yeah, which is a nice feature. It's neat. Yeah, but I wonder what the tweets were. Like. Making crumpets for Neil. Be back later. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, though, there's uh, there's more news than that. 
She needs to twit pick more often. <laughs> mm. Well, I hope that um this old this could be a nice resource for her. I mean, the beauty of Twitter is that it's quick and easy to update. So there's really no excuses for not updating your Twitter. Uh of course she wants to keep things under wraps. I'm not saying she should divulge everything she's writing on Twitter, but I, I think I mean, what do you guys think she's working on? Is it the encyclopedia? Well, honestly, if she if she went to Twitter and just clicked her little, you know, if she logged in and clicked her little at JK Rowling page, mm-hmm. I'm sure that it would take her at least two months just to read everything everyone has posted her on yeah. <laughs> in the last day or two. Right. <laughs> I mean, how many, you know, now that she has But that, that doesn't many... answer the question. What do you think she's writing? Well, n- I, oh, well, I, <laughs> I can just imagine that, that she's bogged down with reading the posts. I don't think she's actually oh, writing anything. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't think she's writing anything. If if she did read it, that would be that would be horrible. Matt, do you think it's an encyclopedia? Um, it would make more sense if it was. I mean, this is she doesn't have much more time for Harry Potter to be relevant in the news and media as it is right now. Oh, that's not true. Yeah, if she wrote a book ten years from now, it'd still be gigantic. I know, but I mean, but I mean, the theme park still being built. I mean, it's just. Well, well my question is. And Mike, I think you, you think uh, the that she's working on the encyclopedia, right? Well, I mean, I said before she could be working on a letter to somebody. I mean, who the hell knows? But <laughs> no, come on, you know, Joe. If she's saying she's uh, pen and paper is her, is her priority at the moment, you she know could that be writing, she's writing something, something. Uh, that's of relevance. Yeah, I mean, uh, is it the encyclopedia? Who knows? Could be some other book or series that she's planning on starting up. But I just found yeah. it all kind of weird that she chose now to create this Twitter account and post yeah, that message random. in particular, basically saying, this is what I'm doing and this is my account. And <laughs> that's about all I'm going to say to you guys for, you know, a couple months. Well, I want to know, I want to know what, um, the supposed other site that was, um, posing as her, I, w- I wonder what post they wrote that. I made, told you what, what making crumpets for Neil. Yeah. Oh, was that, that, was? that was no, like five I'm, minutes I'm, ago. Sorry. I, I, I was kidding. I wasn't. It was funny, though. Right. Your J.K. Rowling voice is very, very funny. Thank you, at Spillerman. <laughs> that's really going to make her want to come on the show at some point. Yeah, that's... We should... Everybody email in your top... T- uh, your your list of funniest things Joe would tweet if she was a hardcore Twitter user. And we'll make, like, a top ten list. <sighs> what would she be trending? That would be the funniest thing. She'd be trending, like... You know, fanfic, uh, harmony shippers, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, yeah, so this raises another question, though. If she's working on the encyclopedia now, which I firmly believe, when do you think she will release the encyclopedia? <sighs> Andrew, you always ask us the hard questions, and I have this to This is a you, good question, As though. a representative, mm-hmm. I have to ask you or tell you that that's a hard question. Man up, Spinnerman! <laughs> I believe, I, my opinion is that it'll be summer 2010 because it's an empty summer in terms of Harry Potter. There's nothing going on. There's no movie. Um, the theme park will, okay, well, the theme park will, and, and, will be and opening that thing that called month. Infinitus, which we're supposed to be promoting on here. Yeah, but that's not, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not JK Rowling level. I, I really think this may be, um, I think summer 2010 makes sense if she's if if the encyclopedia is keeping her busy right now because you know after book seven came out she probably took a year off and then she started working on the encyclopedia sorta you know just taking her time doing it when she wants but if she has some sort of date set 
Don't you think though, if it was for a summer release date for next year, she would they would be announcing it like really soon? Maybe. I mean, think back to Beetle the Bar. That was. Does anyone remember when that was announced? And that came out December of last year. I forgot about that. I think <laughs> you I forgot thought, about the book. That, well, no, I just I I was thinking you back still to haven't seven. read it, have you? Oh, Eric. Eric. That means yes. <laughs> Eric, Eric, Eric. Hang on, guys. How can you not uh, read QuickTime that? Pro just just muted me, and if I answer that question, it's going to mute me again. Sorry. <laughs> you you could read it as we're doing this show. That's about how long it would probably take you. No, I'm reading yeah. Chamber of Secrets, man. That's, oh. <laughs> that's kind of important to the uh, to the discussion. That is all right. True. Around the table right now, I want everyone to predict when the book will come out so that we can play it. I am saying summer 2010, Eric. I am saying uh, Christmas 2010. Okay. I agree with Eric. Christmas 2010. I'll go for October 2010. So is this like the the Price is Right, where we get like the closest one to the the actual? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Actual overbid. Actual release dates. Why don't don't you give us a month, though, Andrew? Because you said summer. Summer uh, is a couple months. All right. July. July is a... Because these Potter books, they're big summer releases. You know what I mean? That's true. They're also big winter releases, too. So, Matt, are you going to change your... Because we both said December 25th. Are you going to change it to December 24th or December 26th? Oh. Is it a leap year? If you change it to (laughs) December 26th, it makes all of 2011 open to you because no one's guessed that. Oh, I don't know, because 2011 is when the last movie comes out, too. Well, let, let's move on. I just think I just think it's very interesting that you know she's she's busy. It's certainly exciting, too. So. That, yeah, that was very cool of her to say. Yeah. You know, I mean, not only did she say "This is me. I'm really here," but she said, "I'm kind of working on something." Right, and it's exciting. Exciting. So follow her. It's tw- it's um twitter dot com sl- slash jk underscore rolling, and while you're there, follow twitter dot com slash mugglecast. And Ooh. then you could follow the rest of us because nice we're all linked there. But that's what I meant before when I said it was very interesting the time she chose to do this. She doesn't do anything without a reason. So right. Well, yeah, because she also indicated that she, that she is interested in Twitter. That she said she could spend um, all day twittering and stuff, but she just can't right now. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. She's gonna she's gonna own Twitter trend. All right. So um, I guess one other story, Micah, we didn't put on in the Google Doc was the. Uh, Half a Prince hitting 300 million, but. Yeah, we've talked about that movie a lot on this show. I don't know if our listeners are <laughs> really excited to hear any more about the movie, but it passed 300 million dollars here in the United States and it's moved into number eight all time on, uh, worldwide grossing lists. So it sits just behind Order of the Phoenix. I don't know that it's going to pass Order of the Phoenix. I think it's probably going to stay at number eight. Uh, what do you guys hmm. think? I don't have well, the, uh, at the numbers. The difference it was only a difference of ten million. Uh, Halfwood Prince currently has uh, nine hundred twenty-seven point four million, and Order of the Phoenix has nine hundred thirty-eight point two million. So. I think if the if the IMAX hadn't been delayed two weeks, uh, we may be at that spot now. Yeah, I think the IMAX may have could have helped it a yeah. lot more. Yeah, you guys are probably right. And there's only one other Potter film on that list, right? I think it's Sorcerer's Stone. Is in the top five. Um, what about Goblet yes. Fire? Sorcerer's Stone has generated nine hundred seventy-four million worldwide. So wow. that's a number five. So we have number five, Sorcerer's Stone. Number seven, Order of the Phoenix. Number eight, Half Blood Prince. Um, and then Goblet of Fire is number thirteen, and Chamber of Secrets is number fifteen. So, 
huh. I think they learned one big lesson with that, which is do not release in November. Prisoner of Azkaban's low too, isn't it? It's still yeah. in the top twenty-five, oh, yeah, it is. though, isn't it? It's number twenty-four. Yeah, that's crap. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you think about it, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> no, it's great. Six yeah. movies all in the top twenty-five all time. Right. It's very good. They've they've done pretty well. Yeah. Okay, so that's it for news. We're going to shake up the show this week. We're not going to do um, Muggle Mail and announcements in the beginning. We're going to save them for the end. I wanted to try to shake up the show a little bit to see how, you know, see how this works if we mix it up a little bit. So we're <laughs> rattling it up. I'm excited. <laughs> so instead, we're going to jump straight into chapter by chapter. Of course, like we said, we are kicking off this series once again. It's been what, like, oh, geez, like two years since we last Two did? years. Wow. So these three chapters, hopefully all of our listeners have read uh, first three chapters because we want you guys to read along and sort of participate with us. Um, the first three chapters that we're covering are The Worst Birthday, Dobby's Warning, and The Burrow. Um, and these three chapters, well, you know, brief, a brief uh, opening summary of the of these three. Basically, uh, Harry has another miserable birthday. He runs into Dobby, and he escapes Privet Drive and goes to the burrow. How's that for a summary? Jeez. Wow, that was pretty good. Two, that, that, two that sentences. Was pretty good. Thanks, guys. It's, it's Harry's first summer back since going to Hogwarts. That's right. So, so. let's get into... We'll start with the first chapter, The Worst Birthday. Um, Micah, what immediately struck you? About this chapter. You mean immediately struck me? I mean, Chamber of Secrets, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, is a book that's just packed with racism and bias. And it just struck me early on how you, the, the, you just said, but the point, how uptight are the Dursleys that Harry can't even ask Dudley what the magic word is when they're sitting around the table? Uh, I forget exactly what Dudley asked Harry for, but Harry turned to him and said, well, what's the magic word? And it didn't even occur to Harry. He wasn't even thinking in his mind that he used that word magic. But you just see the right. reaction, and it's just, it's weird. <laughs> it is weird. But then, it, and I guess maybe we forgot, but you, I, like, I was taken aback by how how they reacted and how brutal they were towards Harry. Like, it's, it's, um... It's not as bad in the films. It doesn't look as bad. No. Like, you read in the books, and they're freaking out, screaming like mad. <laughs> yeah, in the movies, they kind of brush it aside. I just don't know uh, if people really get it until they re reread the books again, like you were just saying. In the movies, it's not that bad, but you know, you constantly read throughout these first couple of chapters that we're going to cover about how much bias exists on the part of the Dursleys and how uncomfortable they are with the fact that Harry is is this wizard and what that potentially means uh, for their appearance to other people. They're very concerned with their own self-image. Right. The next point I wanted to bring up was, did anybody else feel like either vomiting or laughing uncontrollably when Vernon went through his plans for the evening and the roles that Dudley and Petunia were going to play? Yeah, I, I, I agree. Especially with Petunia and Dudley. Like every it's time so he said something, cheesy. he goes, Oh my goodness! Oh, Dudley, Dudley kids, you're perfect. Yeah. I think it's, and, and 
the the first the first chapter of this book is very much in Harry's perspective. You know, like it, it's very in Harry's head about you know how he feels about the magic word and and you know just uh, Harry's just completely can't stop from laughing. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at at these ridiculous relatives of his. Um, and it's it's slightly exaggerated, but I think it um it's 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 pretty funny. Yeah, this was a scene, and we'll talk about this more later. That was played out really well in the movie too, and, and it was changed slightly. Yeah, it it was it was shortened a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and and if you remember, um, I think in the movie he says uh, when they ask Harry what Harry will be doing, uh, he says I'll be making no noise uh, and pretending I don't exist. Right, which I thought was was even even you know one better than uh, what he says in the book, which is that yeah, I'll be in my room making no noise and pretending I'm not there. Right. right. So I, I thought I thought that was even one step further. That was that was pretty good in the movie. Mm-hmm. Moving so. along, uh, what another thing that's interesting is on page nine of the U.S. edition, um, we see Harry and Dudley in the backyard in the garden, and Dudley brings up. Uh, Harry's birthday and says, reminds him that today's your birthday. And, uh, Dudley sorta teases him. He says, how come you haven't gotten any cards? Haven't, haven't you got any friends at that freak place? Uh, so it's interesting because could, could someone argue that, could someone like Micah argue that, um, Dudley kind of cares for Harry a little bit? Or was this sort of an attempt to just, <laughs> To to uh, just another way to tease him because why would he why would he remember it's Harry's birthday? You said that because I put the point in there that maybe I would argue right. that um, right. But uh, I think it could be either or. I mean, I think with Dudley, the fact is that he may remember Harry's birthday just for the sake of being able to poke fun at him and 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 tease him and and say, hey, you don't have any friends, you don't get any presents, doesn't anybody write to you, all that kind of thing. So I think knowing Dudley's character, at least at this stage in Chamber of Secrets, it's probably more just to mock Harry than anything else. Mm. Mm. I think, um, I, I mean, I think it's clear even in book two that Dudley doesn't know a whole lot. Um, in fact, even in that very sentence or in that paragraph, Harry remarks, oh, you finally learned the days of the week. But Dudley knows that it's Harry's birthday and he knows when Harry's birthday is and they they don't have birthdays and that are you know similar I just think I think Harry has an admirer is personally I think you think, I think so? Dudley may I think Dudley may have those posters of of Harry in his bedroom <laughs> <laughs> I think well also um I mean a on his birthday the year before I mean so much had happened too they were they were in that island in the lighthouse and Hagrid came to visit. I mean, it was, I mean, a year isn't that long. Yeah, I guess it's hard to forget the day it's, you were turned into a pig. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was when he was born. And he could also, I mean, I mean, also, <laughs> Dudley isn't that bright. <laughs> it's terrible, Micah. He could probably, I mean, we, he probably could have overheard his parents talking about it, too. But they, but Dudley. If they did talk about it, yeah. they didn't acknowledge it to Harry. Yeah, just the last point, um, and this was after the whole what's the magic word uh harry was outside and uh this was when he was talking with dudley about his birthday and he he made as if he was about to set a bush on fire he you know mumbled a bunch of uh supposedly magical words and uh he ends up paying dearly by having to do all this house and garden work and this will get into something a little bit 
that we're going to talk about in the next chapter, but it's amazing the way that the Dursleys treat Harry like he's just some servant. And I, I want to know what you guys thought about this or if that came to mind at all in, in this first chapter. Yeah, well, they know they absolutely have the upper hand in this situation and they feel like Harry, uh, Harry must act servant-like to repay them for letting him stay at their house. Mm-hmm. So I sort of think that's the attitude. And also they're, 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 uh, they're wizard phobic. They treat him poorly to try to, you know, they don't, cause they don't want to get close to him. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of this magic he can do. But they're, yeah, it's but kinda... that's the thing. They're also afraid. I mean, the way that they treat him now isn't nearly as bad as what they, with how they do treat him when they found out he can't do magic. Cause they still think that he can. Like, well, he can, line, just not in, yeah. just not legally. And well, they, no, they, they don't know the, that yet. Right. Not yet. Right. In the next chapter, they will. But that, um, one line in particular stands out on page five of the U.S. edition, uh, says, um, back to being treated like a dog that had rolled in something smelly. When you're, when you're reading about, um, Harry, you know, washing the car, pruning the garden, doing everything he does, there's like seven or eight things, and he comes in and just gets like some cheese and crackers from Britunia before he has to go up to his you know, bedroom. Meanwhile, there's a pot roast in the oven and cake and Jello. Pudding. You know, it, it, that 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 line about you know treated like a dog that rolled in something smelly is actually really, you know, really sad. Like, yeah, it it's seriously kind of an issue. Right. They have to. They have to even line newspapers for him for him <laughs> to walk on. Yeah, <laughs> and this is all because of Dudley. I mean, it's all because of everything that he said is is believed by his parents, even if it's not true. And, you know, I think we all knew a kid at some point in our lives that, that that's kind of like Dudley, that always gets what he wants and is kind of like this fat little squealing thing that, that always seems to get away with, with whatever it is that he does. Yeah, and I mean, his size is just um, symbolic of his of his treatment. You know, he gets to eat whenever he wants. He gets, he, he doesn't, his parents don't, you know, get him into sports because he doesn't want to do sports. Um, you know, he obviously gets all the toys he wants. Yeah. So, yeah. This is something I really wish they kept in the books, the, or the movies, the films, the, um, the, the relationship between Harry and Dudley. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, I mean, cause they have sort of like a little feud and, and you don't really see Harry in the films as the way you see Harry in the books. With Dudley, because Harry actually fights back, and I don't know. That's just something I kind of wish we saw. So, chapter two opens immediately with uh, Harry seeing Dobby in uh, Harry's bedroom, and um, we learn how certain house elves are treated by their masters and how they have to punish themselves at times. And we just see Dobby can, you know, constantly revealing this information to Harry, but at the same time abusing himself. I thought one of the interesting questions that came out of this chapter was, do we ever figure out why Dobby risked himself to save Harry? It doesn't seem like it ever comes up in this book or later on in the series. And, and you have to ask, does he hate the Malfoys that much? I mean, he's supposed to be subservient to this family, and yet uh, here he is betraying them and, and going out there and trying to stop Harry from going back to school. So, it, it, it yeah, it, it was definitely a conscious decision on Dudley's part, or sorry, Dobby's part, because I mean, throughout the whole summer, he's stopping his mail. 
And so Davi says to Harry at one point, you know, that for months he's known of this plot to make terrible things happen at Hogwarts yeah. this year. So you'd think that, I mean, the plot was set in motion kind of even before the end of last year. Um, and, you know, we know from later on that, that Lucius Malfoy is the one who's who's planning this. And I wonder how Dobby would know that if it weren't for Lucius talking about it openly to someone, you know, who wasn't Dobby. And that's the other thing is, like, he's got to kind of have a co-conspirator for the for the story to really work that Dobby knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't tell Draco because Draco says later on to Crabbe and Goyle slash Harry Ron that his father won't tell him anything. Yeah. So you kind of wonder how Dobby actually learned of this plot. Do you think that he you may know. have had Dobby do errands for him? Well, he doesn't trust him really. I mean, he's like a servant. He's like he's not even he's not even human. But he he's thinks subhuman. that he has the mo- he has the biggest upper hand on Dobby that he can have him do whatever he wants. I mean, that's possible. Yeah, and then we see a little bit later on in the chapter when they're talking that Dobby tries to hint at the Malfoys being behind the trouble at Hogwarts. You know, Harry's going through a guessing game with Dobby about who he thinks could possibly, you know, want terrible things to happen to him. And he, he guesses Voldemort, I think, at one point, and Dobby's eyes kind of widen up um, in a way. I, I don't know who he was trying to suggest. The only people I could think would, would probably be the Malfoys. But there is an interesting quote in there on page 17 when Dobby says, there are powers Dumbledore doesn't, powers no decent wizard, and then he cuts himself off. And I'm wondering, is this, could he possibly know about the Horcruxes at this point? I, I think so. And when I saw that in the Google Doc, I was so happy about that because it, I, like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, you know what? That's, that sounds like a Horcrux reference. I think yeah. – I, I mean, throughout the, we, the the one thing we know for sure about house elves is that they have this powerful magic that is separate from wizards' magic. That they are these magical creatures with their own, you know, powerful abilities, and that that's an ongoing thread throughout the series. And I really think that Dobby has, you know, being a house elf has a sense for what that diary is, really is, even more than his master does because we know Lucius didn't know that it was a Horcrux per se. Um, but it sounds for, like from this quote, it sounds like Dobby does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Dobby knows it's, 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 it's a real, it, this, is, this is what also I, I think um, why Dobby knows so much and why he wanted to help Harry was because is that he was like maybe in the same room when Lucius was um, uh, t- uh, discussing the book or the Horcrux the diary with maybe another uh death eater or something I mean, maybe his wife it could have yeah you know what actually his wife that that's a that, that's a good that's i mean good maybe idea. it's just we don't know enough mm-hmm. about it but I, I just don't think lucius would openly confide in dobby and he shouldn't especially if dobby's going off and <laughs> and talking to harry potter about it lucius is a very proud character too i mean he does pride himself in being one of his be- his top followers so and just yeah that could, and just, that's also one of his weaknesses too. Yeah, and and just to clarify, Andrew, you said that um that that when Dobby was trying to figure out about you know who it, it's actually remember at this point uh, Harry doesn't know and Dobby doesn't tell him that Lucius Malfoy is Dobby's owner. We don't know that Dobby belongs to the Malfoy family until the end of the book. Right. Well, that's a good Sorry. point. Yeah. How did I say that? I didn't say that. Maybe it was me who said that. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Fred and George guess, kind of. Fred and George are like, 
you know, when he's telling them the story in the, in the, in the car, the next chapter over, um, you know, they're like, well, does anybody hold a grudge on you who would make a joke? Right. And they, you know, to send this house Draco. off to your, yeah. and he said Draco and that's, you know, right. Obviously ends up being true, but yeah, we don't know at this point. You're right. That it's, at that, that point, that, yeah, Malfoy. there was, there was no clue to suggest that Dobby was, came from the Malfoys. But one thing I also thought was interesting was when they were talking about, um, Dobby saying, that his masters wouldn't even notice that he'd have to punish himself. I thought that was kind of a clever way of, of getting around the fact that, you know, if your house elf shows up, you know, 10 minutes after he's talking with Harry and his hands are burnt beyond recognition, it just shows some of the ignorance, I think, on the part of, of the Malfoys and, and not really paying much attention to Dobby and, and what it is that he's doing. The fact that yeah. he would have done this to himself and, and they wouldn't notice because they beat him so badly to begin with. Yeah. yeah, and so often over just the, the tiniest things that it just becomes a regular thing. It was brilliant. So as we mentioned earlier, um, the Dursleys do learn at the end of the chapter that uh, uh, Harry isn't allowed to use magic outside of school. Um, so this is when they begin to lock down Harry's room because they were very upset that Dobby ruined the whole meeting uh, with... Um, Vernon's the Masons. clients, yeah, the Masons, and it's it's pretty humorous to see Dobby do all these things. And as you're reading it, you're like, no, please, Dobby, please, no, 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 because you really feel for Harry, and you know that you know that the Dursleys are gonna flip out. Um, uh. so my question is, you know, we we see the um the Dursleys being so abusive towards Harry. Should Dumbledore have thought this out a little bit more? Um. Cause, or, or sent someone to keep an eye on Harry to make sure he wasn't being abused. Cause as Mike has pointed out, they, they were very abusive. And I mean, I'm not saying they, Dumbledore needed to do a background check on the Dursleys beforehand, but <laughs> maybe send somebody over to keep an eye on, on her, on him. Of course, we always have, uh, uh, Miss Fig keeping an eye on him, but I'm talking about like making sure he's not being abused. Cause Fig can't see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it were, especially if it's a fig from the movie, the fig from the movie is kind of creepy. Yeah. The fig from the book is, is kind of more protective. At least she's sane, you know, in the, in the beginning right. of book five, where she's like, I'll kill Mundungus Fletcher for, you know, abandoning this very important task of protecting you. Um, the, right. the Dursleys, you know, with bars on his windows and everything, I, I just don't think there was, Dumbledore didn't have any other choice, did he? Cause in book seven, we learn about, no. uh, more about that charm where he had to be with blood relatives in order to really be protected. Right. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't, that doesn't, I think Andrew's question is still able to be answered regardless of yeah. where he is. I mean, they could, they could still be checking up on him and making sure that he's okay. I mean, we know how right. scared the Dursleys are of wizards and witches and anything magical. So I think if anybody it, walked yeah. through their door and, and threatened them in that capacity, I mean, go back to Sorcerer's Stone and, and you think about, you know, what Hagrid saw that, you know, wouldn't Hagrid report back to Dumbledore? And even McGonagall says, you, you, in the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone, you're going to leave them with you're going to leave him with these people. I've been watching them all day. Yeah, I mean, regardless of his situation, he's still safe, at, right? At so point. he can be, you know, uh, Dumbledore knew, I'm sure that even well, he even if he even if he was star- starving to death, at least he'd be, you know, protected from Voldemort. Right. But still, I'm there's sure the whole abuse thing. But if school started, I'm, I'm sure D- Dumbledore was fully prepared to to get him. Like he wasn't going to have him miss school at Hogwarts. You mean if he no. if he wasn't yeah if he wasn't rescued by the Weasleys? Right. Yeah. That, no, that, that I agree with. Then he yeah. would have paid a, 
That's yeah. cool. But you just think about the dream he's having at the end of this chapter, that he's in like a yeah. cage starving to death and <laughs> Dobby's on the outside saying, you'll be safe, you'll be safe. You know, I mean, yeah. think about how yeah. abusive that is just in concept. And that's and really then, how he's and, being treated, too. Yeah. yeah. And I guess it didn't really uh, affect him as he grew up. I mean, you know, there weren't any like signs of his uh, the abuse like tarnishing his development, I don't think. That's true. So, I don't know. I of course, you know, that was in Joe's power to do well, that. Well, when you have a when you have a whole wizarding world to escape to, it really help, yeah. helps you put it, put all that abuse aside and say, look, okay, they're they're muggles, you know, they aren't who I associate with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All so right. That's that helps. And then the final chapter we're talking about today is the burrow. So, you know, Harry um is uh rescued by the Weasleys early, very early in the morning before the sun rises, and you know, the the Fort Anglia is sitting out there and you know, it's sort of like a godsend and and they pull out the bars and Harry escapes and it's like woo and then they go to the burrow and this is Harry's first time at the burrow. Um it's ri- and it was <laughs> I gotta say it was really cool rereading the whole first time things again. You know, like seeing the burrow for the first time and seeing Harry's reaction to it. And it's, it's pretty cool to reread that. Um, so at the, bur- or in the car ride to the burrow, we learn about Mr. Weasley and Lucius Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy. Now you have me saying it. Lucius Malfoy. It's, oh, it doesn't matter. Say it. I'm telling it you. It does matter. It's like they saying Hermione or Hermione. Sorry. Hermione. No, I used to say Hermione. You say it twice. Say, I mean, you could say it two different ways. Or Seamus instead of Seamus. Oh, well, that, you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of suggestive. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we see Someone some cool suggested. things at the burrow. We see the the kitchen, which is very active. You know, it's cleaning dishes on its own. The the, the brushes cleaning dishes. Dishes. <laughs> um, the denoming of the, the garden, which was pretty funny. The goal in the attic. Um, where else do we want to go with this? Well, I mean, we could um, talk a little bit about... Well, I mean, we're yeah, really okay. first introduced to Mr. Weasley in this chapter before he's actually, you know, we meet him in person. We kind of meet him through Fred and George and we learn yeah. more about, uh, Lucius. <laughs> I can't say it, Lucius Malfoy. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and you kind of get the, the struggle that goes on between these two families. You learn a little bit about it just by the fact that I forget if it's Fred or George who suggests that, uh, the Malfoys could be behind Dobby showing up at, at, at Privet Drive, and you, know, you get a sense that these two don't really like each other, especially Mister Mister Weasley, <laughs> Mister Weasley, and Lucius Malfoy. And one thing I thought was very interesting, and everyone knows I love foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, of course, when Mrs. Weasley's flipping out on Fred and yelling at them for using uh, Arthur's car, she says, and I quote. She she pokes Fred and says, you could have died. You could have been seen. You could have lost your father's job. Um, and I just thought that was interesting that, you know, uh, people obviously say quite often, you know, oh, you could have died or, oh, th- I wish you were dead. Um, but, you know, jokingly. Uh, and Mrs. Weasley, you know, is very serious about, you know, losing him. And there we see, uh, I, I guess, what may have been a little bit of foresho- foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Even if Joe didn't intend it, it was there. She always intends yeah. it. Poor Fred. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there you go. There's a little. There's a little foreshadowing. I love how they how they described Mrs. Weasley as, um, or how Joe described her as. Even though she was very loving and a warm person, she resembled very much like a razor sharp saber toothed tiger. Yeah, we see Ginny here, and and this comes across pretty well in the movie too. But you know, Ginny's all, uh, you know, nervous around Harry. She's sort of hiding from him. She drops her fork and then goes under the table and then comes back up smiling. <laughs> that was kind of creepy. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Ginny. Suggestive. Yeah. So I guess there's some more foreshadowing. Um, Ginny, you know, clearly <laughs> in love with. Harry, right She's from the She's infatuated with him. Enamored. Well, actually, I mean, you guys also, I want to talk about this uh, confrontation between Molly and Arthur here. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you've got, I love every instance of Arthur talking about his job where you find like the biting tea kettle and shrinking keys and, and all of that is just wonderful, wonderful J.K. Rowling stuff that you can imagine a biting kettle would really hurt some, some muggle somewhere who was not expecting it. And then, of course, he and, and Mrs. Weasley get into the argument about the car and the flying car and, and I, I just thought that was a really brilliant um, piece of uh, fiction there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was it was typical, typical couple bickering. Um, and it was, I guess it was kind of interesting to hear that they were bickering over a flying car as opposed to, you know, like the kids staying out too late or, well, I, I guess the kids did stay out too late, but you know what I mean? Like in a regular family mm-hmm. home, you know, they're always arguing over something. And, and I thought it was cool. And they portrayed this really well in the film when Arthur kind of gets really excited and is like, you know, how did it go? Did it work well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I was expecting them to do like a fist bump or something like that or a high five. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been funny. Also, it's kind of contrasting to the Dursleys, who are presumably of the same mindset all the time. And they just, I mean, we don't see the Dursleys not really getting along. You know, we see Petunia eventually at the end going a little bit soft. But at the same time, the Weasleys are here at odds with each other. They're the mother and father that Harry never had, but they're at odds with each other as opposed to the Dursleys who are all solid, you know, the same mind, almost the same person, just wanting to squash the magic out of Harry. So it's a great and kind of brilliant uh, contrast. Yeah. And we also see one other little thing. We also see the the the, the Weasleys, you know, struggling, worrying about how they're going to pay for all of Lock, Lockhart's books. And that was, you know, kind of a sad moment. But let's get into your questions now, the listener questions. We asked everyone who follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mugglecast to send in uh, your questions for us about these chapters. The first one's from Josh Bolton. He says, I kept feeling really embarrassed for Harry when Dobby was doing the stuff with the cake. Did you feel at all like this? I touched on this a little earlier. Yeah, weren't you guys really feeling for Harry? I think it's more of a movie question, considering it happens in the book in like a second. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more drawn out, like it's a few seconds of, oh, my God, what's Dobby going to do? And yeah. Dobby has that line, it's for Harry Potter's own good. But you know, I don't so get what what that's doing. You know what I'm saying? Like Dobby said, you know, if I if you if you don't agree, then whatever, whatever he said. But he yeah. does it anyway. I don't know. What message does it send? It's, what, what do you I mean? Was, what why is Dobby or, or what what is how is it I what I'm trying to you know what I'm saying Eric right Yeah yeah I do I I get it and I was thinking the same thing he's he's Andrew's trying to say like Harry was supposed to say that he wouldn't go back to Hogwarts Dobby wanted Harry's word Right So even if Do, even if Harry had said he wouldn't go back 
that would be breaking his word, and it's kind of in Harry's character to not do that. Yeah. And so he took the more difficult path and didn't even, like, you know, chose not to give his word to Dobby. Yeah. And by doing. He wouldn't go back to. Yeah. Yeah. And by dropping the cake, what does it do to Harry? Does it make him think, oh, wow, a house elf is serious? I mean, it just, it just shows. I don't know. Well, it's, just, it's basically the icing on the cake, so to speak. To <laughs> oh, that was good. Oh, thank uh, you. Well, he's already in big trouble with Uncle Vernon anyway for Dobby just making all that noise. Yeah, Micah. It's almost malicious on Dobby's part. It is. Yeah. It is. Well, he he was very he was very upset and and he was very somber when he did it. I mean, he didn't want to drop the cake or the pudding pie or whatever it's called. But at the same time, he's he's up in Harry's room going on about how he's never been treated like an equal before, and Harry asks him to sit down, and none of that matters to Dobby because he's so impulsive and, and just wants the chamber not to open or kill, not to kill Harry. That's the interesting thing that struck me in the uh, second chapter, the conversation between Harry and Dudley where Do- or Dobby, where Dobby says... Uh, Harry Potter is too valuable to risk. And it's an interesting thing knowing that Dobby knows that you know who has something to do with it. Um, that he's saying Harry is too valuable to, to fight when, if, when the only value that Harry has is to one day stop you know who, uh, you know, to prevent the two from meeting is kind of counterintuitive. Right. I think I, mean, I agree kind of with what issue. you're saying, though. That that was going to kind of be my point is that uh, it, it's a little bit weird that somebody who has suffered or or something who has suffered so much and probably hasn't, um, you know, really uh, been told the truth very often would, um, you know, act like he did with Harry and and then do like a complete 180 and then decide to put Harry in a really difficult situation because of it. It's, it's almost like Harry's doing all these things for Dobby, you know, that, that have never been asked of him before. Oh, would you like to sit down and let me treat you like an equal? Oh, but then I'm going to turn around and completely screw you by, you know, dropping a cake on the floor and getting you in trouble. And that was a huge difference with the movie too. Yeah. Cause in the movie it gets dropped on her head, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got And going back from what Josh uh, Bolton said, you can't help but feel really, really sad for Harry because he, because it says also in that chapter that he's just left there shaking from all this, from what just happened. Do we know Josh Bolton? Does Josh, that sounds like a familiar name. Yeah, we, um, I met him in London. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he's, he's around the web. Um, next question is from KD Laheen. If Fred and George could open Harry's door with a pin, why couldn't Harry? <laughs> he's not a degenerate. I mean, he's he doesn't sit around right. all day trying to figure out ways to get in trouble like Fred and George do. I think he's wallowing in his own self-pity, really. I mean, at that point, Harry just takes the the chunky soup from Petunia and pours Hedwig half of it, you know, and is like, this is the best we've got. Don't turn your beak up. Harry's kind of, I mean, it was only like three days in his room, so Harry's in the meantime like... Harry has just found out that his friend did write to him, but he still didn't get the letters. So even though Dobby disappeared and got him into all sorts of trouble, Harry hasn't even got the letters that his friend sent him. So he doesn't know anything. He feels further disconnected, and he's locked in his room with bars in the windows. And I think he just really hadn't gotten to the point where he said, you know, okay, I can actually probably, if I tried, take one of the, you know, a pin or something and pick the lock. I don't think he saw what what good it would have done. And that's... Also, as opposed to movie three, where after he blows up Aunt Marge, he's just like, okay, I'm done. I'm leaving. Well, that's and, uh, that's out of adrenaline, too, of that whole situation in Prisoner of Azkaban. 
Next question is from PewterWolf13. When you first read Chamber of Secrets, what did you guys imagine the bird to look like? I imagined it blue for some reason. I can't honestly answer this question because I can't remember. <laughs> it's been, I mean, it's been 10 blue. years since I first read well, it. Honestly, smoking? I thought... It was, does the book say it was blue? No, <laughs> I, I mean, if they it say it, it's described as like an oversized pig pen. So I would just imagine it looking like earth colors, like green and brown. Mm-hmm. Or like a pig pen. Yeah, exactly. Messy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I got to say, I, did, I didn't read the book before I saw the movies. So, all right, wait, 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 wait. I did. I did. I did. And it was too long ago. I'm going to take Andrew's <laughs> yeah. answer. Micah, do you remember? No. Like I said, I mean, maybe if you were smoking something or <laughs> taking something, it would appear blue. But a, a blue from what sense, though? Like, oh, that's not really appropriate. Blue. Oh, maybe blue is in mellow, you're saying. No. no. But no, I'm... Oh. No, I'm saying, like, blue what? Like, blue outside? Blue inside? Baby blue. What are we talking about? Robin's egg blue. Well, I think when I don't you know. first I saw the read movie Chamber of Secrets, mm. I don't know. I assume they mean outside, Pewter yeah. Wolf. Anyway, next question. Raccoon Girl, the burrow was Harry's second home. What would the Weasleys in the burrow be for Harry if his parents hadn't died? Still his second home. This is a great question. Do you think so, Micah? If Harry still had his parents, what relation would the Weasleys actually be to Harry? Because... If you think about it, Arthur and Molly Weasley were not particularly close to Lily and James the way Remus was, Sirius was, any of that. They were in the order together the first time, but unless Harry had met Ron on the train and had those circumstances, the Weasleys and the Potters, the families, would not really have been all that close and not really close enough for that to be no, Harry's a, second That's a good home. point, I, because we would still assume that Sirius would not be in Azkaban and maybe they would have spent a lot more time over there. Yeah, and think about, you know, uh, assuming Harry's parents' house would be pretty magicked up, so to speak, um, or magical, in other words. You would assume, you know, that, that kind of magic that Joe was trying to capture would be seen instead in, uh, in you know, Harry's parents' house. And I think I think Ron still would have been good friends with Harry, and Hermione because um, they have the same types of personalities. I think um, they vary, but they're also similar. I, I guess I don't know. I'd have I probably well, have to think about going that more, off but. that. Andrew, do you think that Harry would probably be if Harry's parents didn't die, that um, he would be friends with Hermione or with Ron? It's hard to say. I'd have to think about that more. Oh, okay, <laughs> I have to reread the books more because I don't. With more, uh, I don't know. I, I, I would just feel well, like Harry and Ron are also largely good friends because they're both guys. You know, it's just right when you're growing up in school, you typically become good friends with uh, someone of the same gender because you can relate on more aspects. So yeah. So the question is, what would the Weasleys and the Burrow be for Harry if his parents hadn't died? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as you know as close to his heart as it is. Yeah. Now, I think that's the short answer. Right. I mean, it's the first really magical home. I don't know, Andrew, I think you said this before, that he goes to, um, that he gets right. gets a feeling for. And, um, you know, obviously that wouldn't be the same. I, I mean, I don't see it being something where, and I think Harry would have been much more against becoming friends or even talking with somebody like Draco Malfoy. I think the, the, the actually, I think Harry is 
line of you know eventually we we figure out what side harry's on and and who he befriends and all that but i think that would have been much more clearly defined when he was younger if his parents were around i agree <laughs> he would have inherited his dad's biases probably yeah, yeah. and he's half blood too so i mean it, it's probable probable that he would have become friends like you guys said with ron and and probably hermione anyway that's a good point mm-hmm. all right next question comes from kaylee chance I hate the beginning of the second. I think it is the worst of all the beginnings. Dobby, curse word, what she says is, angers me here. Love you all. Um, <laughs> what do you guys think? Well, actually, they say it in the book. Yeah. Uh, Kaylee says, Dobby pisses me off. <gasps> Love you all. I mean, uh, I said fecal matter on an episode. They do not say pisses Andrew me off. Andrew dropped in the, the F bomb a couple times. So yeah, so they do not <laughs> so say Laura pisses me off in the Harry Potter books. Where do they say pisses me off in the Harry Potter books? I'm sure somewhere. Prisoner of Azkaban. They do not say it. Uh, it doesn't know, really whatever. matter. The, 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 there's a curse word in Deathly Hallows. What do you guys think? Is it? We talked about this a little bit, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, and it's kind of it's a little bit related to what Josh asked though in the in the first question about. Um, you know, get it, feeling bad for Harry. It's, it's just, uh, it's not quite the umbrage moment where you're pounding something while, while you're reading about this character. You know what I mean? We get so angry right. at, uh, umbrage, but yeah, it's, it is angry. You do get angry listening or reading it because you feel bad. You feel like you want to try and be able to help, but there's nothing that you can do. And, and Harry's kind right. of helpless as well. Dobby's kind of his own. His own being, you know, and it's like, well, it's good that it's thanks for the heads up, but no thanks, Dobby, almost because, you know, it's just Dobby's really unable to control himself, I think. Well, at least in this in, in this book, Harry knows what kind of a person he is. I mean, he knows who he is in in the previous book. The first one, he, he just thought he was a nobody and that his his future was bleak and he wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and and so in this case, he's just being treated worse because his fa- uh, his his uncle and aunt know what kind of a person he is, and he knows what he's capable of. Yeah. And it does create a little bit of power, but it just it just makes it even worse on himself because they're trying just just as hard, if not more, to to take him down a notch. Yeah, it gives, it gives him the confidence he needs to kind of come into his own and 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 defend his himself really mm-hmm. about about how he feels like he should behave. Um, yeah, Dobby's kind of an annoying little pissant, but that, that's a good way to describe. That's okay it. because it, because it, it, it really, honestly, it, it's 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 still it suits the book. And this is this is the first magical creature, the only other sentient magical creature that besides centaurs that will find. Actually, centaurs were first. Never mind, scratch all that. Um, but it's essential, I think, and it's 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 kind of like Harry's feeling disconnected. And then he's staring at the bush, and there's, you know, something else from the same magical world that, that he's starting to think was all a dream, you know, is, is, is right there with him. And it's just Joe's style of, you know, kind of doing that. And yeah, Dobby's kind of annoying, but, um, but I'm sure that when I read it first, I wasn't thinking that Dobby was annoying at all. Looking back, you know, we can, we can fault Dobby for being annoying. But it was all to, to try and protect him more than anything else. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, first-time readers are like, hey, what's this, you know, doing here? And that's, wow, that's interesting. I want to read more. And the last two questions are semi-related, so I'll read them together. The first one's from Ramis tweeting, how did Dobby get all of Harry's letters? Why didn't Harry just lie to Dobby and say he wouldn't go back to Hogwarts? 
And the second question is from Michaela Ray. How did Dobby find where Harry was? Or do you think he thought of Harry and got there to number four Privet Drive? I mean, I, I have thought about that too. I mean, how did, how did Dobby get all his letters? Was it one of those things, you know, how you can set up like a, um, temporary forwarding? Yeah, forwarding. <laughs> like, did Dobby go in there? But where's the security in the, in, in the Alpine system? That's one thing that we never found out about the Wizarding series that I would really like to know is just a little bit more specific about how Alpost works because, I mean, it's mostly in book three when Sirius is getting letters and he's on the run that the bird actually knows. Like, if you just write someone's name on a letter, the owl knows where to take it. And so we don't know too much about house elf magic, but Dobby could follow the owl or Dobby could, you know, do something else. However, the the house elves have the power, apparently, evidently, to stop Harry's letters, whatever that means, whether it means setting up a, a Harry Potter avatar so that the owl drops the letters off all at your fake Harry, uh, or mm. or not, you know, it's 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 very interesting. Well, you know, okay, Eric, um, I think I found a flaw in that, and okay. or actually, no, a, a flaw in the entire plan about how Dobby found out. Errol. What about Errol? Well, he's he's the Weasley's owl, right? And yeah. he keeps, and, and he's not the most reliable owl in the world. He keeps, um, you know, sometimes he just flat out just falls down flat on his butt. Do you think that probably Dobby yes. was, um, Dobby probably found out that Ron Weasley was Harry's best friend through Draco. And so maybe he was like waiting for Ron to send out an owl and just maybe. waited until Errol probably dropped a letter or something. There's also a letter from Hermione and Hagrid. Right. But I think it's maybe it's a little easier for for Dobby to um, follow the Weasley since they're a wizarding family. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I th- I think this is something that would be a little bit more clear if if one of Voldemort's Horcruxes were like his stamp collection mm. or something. You know, like we'd be we'd be in intricate knowledge of how house elves stop. You know, because then Dobby and Winky could all have helped the trio with the the mail system and stuff. But um, I, I think it's really cool. It's a yeah. good question. And as far as the lying, I mean, we talked about that a little bit earlier. I think, was it Eric, you said that he's he's pretty much somebody who keeps his word. And Yeah, he didn't. He, it was kind of important to Harry not to not to just say he wouldn't go because at that point he wasn't even considering it. He was just like, I can't say I'm not going to go back to Hogwarts because it's Hogwarts and this place is a dump. Yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. look at how finding, they treat me. He even tried appealing to Finding him. Harry, though, yeah. I, I mean, I think it was pretty – it was common knowledge where he was. I just think, you know, from a Death Eater or Voldemort standpoint, they just couldn't do anything about it. Well, that's an interesting question because Dobby could have harmed Harry. And so he broke Dumbledore's bubble. And Dobby wasn't associated with Hogwarts at that point. And somehow Dobby just apparated onto four private drive and could have done anything. Could have done... In fact, if Malfoy... If Lucius Malfoy had, had ordered... Dobby to harm Harry Potter, Dobby probably could have gotten in and harmed Harry Potter and snuffed him out in book two. Yeah, which is very, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. That's actually, I mean, that's, 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 that's a scary that's probably... thought. Where is the security? <laughs> Granted, we need all these points of the story for it to be a story. Right, and I'm not, nobody's complaining, but I, so I, who's I, complaining? Yeah. <laughs> I really want to know more about the, the, just how, how Dobby actually stopped. You know the letter. I think Joe was Tweeter. asked, and that was where she <laughs> tweeted. Tweeter. Well, I I did I did tweet her. I asked her if she would help out with the caption contest, and I didn't hear back. Oh, she's so, busy. She's um, writing I, I'm something. Not gonna, 
She's writing. <laughs> That's up what the I said. So contest. why would she answer exactly? So she, hopefully she's writing more about the owl system and 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 house elf magic. All right. But she did say that that house elves have this powerful separate magic. So all right, very good. Um, so those are all the questions today. Uh, let's talk about the movie. The movie translation of this very quickly. Um, overall, it, the film did stay very loyal. Uh, one of the biggest things missing was the backyard conversation between Dudley and Harry. And Harry's seeing uh, eyes poking through the bushes, which we later learned to be um, of um, Dobby. And actually, one other thing I forgot to write in here was the the part, and I had completely forgotten about this because my mind had been so diluted by the movie. Um, the part where uh, uh, Fred and George run into uh, the Dursley's home, run downstairs and get some of Harry's things, and then run back out. I had completely yeah. forgotten about that. So, hmm. anything else to say about these scenes, guys? I loved them. Um, I really did. This movie yeah. was great. The other thing I noticed, too, is that Dobby is jumping on Harry's bed in the movie. Mm-hmm. But in the book, he's sitting. And I think the movie works better because he asked them to sit down. Right. That Dobby hadn't just been sitting down. And he's making more noise <laughs> that way, too. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He's just jump, jumping on Harry's bed. It's such a lighter intro, too. Just jumping. <laughs> Yeah. Woo! Woo! <laughs> He's making the Mario noises. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Anyway, um, next Yippee. week we'll be talking about chapters four through six, which are at Flourish and Bots and Blots, the Whomping Willow, and then we also have Gilderoy Lockhart. So those should be three very entertaining chapters. It's time for, and boy, I haven't done this in a while. I did practice once in the car the other day. It's time now for quote quiz quiz. No, that wasn't right. Quote quote quiz 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 quiz. Today's quote comes from chapters either four or five or six. Brilliant, inspired. What an entrance! Flying a car right into the Whomping Willow. People will be talking about that one for years. There's quote quiz for you. And that concludes chapter by chapter. That went well. That was fun. Boot. I I missed I missed um. I missed it. I missed chapter by chapter. I, I, I'm enjoying reading them again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully yep. you guys, our listeners, can all take, you know, a few minutes, maybe a half hour a week, or not a week. We're not going back to weekly. <laughs> <laughs> can uh, go, can read along with us. And to keep an yeah. eye on when, you know, we'll be releasing new uh, episodes, just follow us at twitter.com slash mugglecast, and we'll keep you updated there. We read all your questions. That's right. And we'll include some of them. All right, it's time for make the m- 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 music connection. That's my new spin on it. That was really cool. Okay, Eric, would you like the first one? Sure. All right, here we go. It's a popular song right now. So this is We Are Golden by Mika. Have you heard the song? Wow. Is that from his new album? Yes, the it boys is. Yeah. New Too Much? Yep. Ooh. Cool. Make the Mike connection. Mika plug. Um, I think that would be like what Hogwarts or A Weekend in Hogsmeade would be like if Puffs ruled the school. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I, I think that's just really happy. And who cares about your family? And da da da. Sort of an ending that's song like the, too. That's like if yeah, that's like if Slytherins weren't weren't around, right? To spoil everybody's fun and harsh everybody's mallows. It's a great song. I need to listen to that album, but that's my connection. All right, uh, Micah, would you like to go? Sure. All right. Uh, this is a song. Well, I'll play it. <laughs> um, all right. Here we go. This is I Look So Good Without You by Jesse James. Hope. I look so good without you by Jesse James. <laughs> wow. Micah, I look Sorry, go- Micah. I look so good without you. Got me a new hairdo. Make the connection. Maybe when uh, Argus Filch finally gets rid of Mrs. Norris. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. And he comes out to the world. Yeah. Here's some got more a, lyrics. Hey, I never that. thought you would have left me. I'd feel sexy and so good in my skin again, and I never would have known that. I'd be dreaming so much better without you in my head. I think that's a great wow. connection. Who did Mrs. Norris leave Filch for? <laughs> Crookshanks? A real cat. Fluffy. Yeah. Matt, here is your song. Okay. USA by Miley Cyrus. I don't think you could get anything that was any less like Harry Potter. God. No, I could, I could see some connection. I got this horrible image in my head of Miley Cyrus performing at the, the Yule Ball in Goblet of Fire. That'd be pretty sweet. And then there's this... Singing, a, I know, singing about Hollywood. Pole, and she's pole dancing. All right, Matt, make the connection. Uh, that was like the first time I don't have an answer. Okay, well, how about this? How about when Harry first gets to Hogwarts? I thought of that, too, but I think that's too cliche, because everything can be that. Well, Miley could easily redo this for a Harry Potter film. She says everybody's famous. Everybody looks so magic. Yeah. I love magic. Well, the song starts off with, (laughs) I hopped off the plane at LAX with my dream in my card again. My Ford Anglia. (laughs) I hopped off the boat at the Great Lake. 
No. <laughs> with the dream and my wand. And my I owl. guess it could be with him and Hagrid down di- uh, Diagon Alley. <laughs> party in. an idea. Party in Diagon Alley. All right. Well, that's how we play Make the Music Connection. Now we're going to, uh, you know, in this new scramble, show scramble, uh, get to Muggle Mail. This first email comes from Leah, 19, of Australia, and she writes about the theme park. She says, Hi, guys. I'd just like to thank you for your continual dedication to something most normal people would call pointless obsession. Somehow the ritual of listening in week after week provides a somewhat constant stabilizing comfort, a sentiment I have heard echoed by others who have emailed in. Leah is a very good writer. Um, this is a bit backdated, but on the subject of the park, yes, the concept art is amazing, and it's great that it's family-oriented, but I'm with Eric in that I don't know what I was expecting, but somehow I feel a bit underwhelmed. I've never been a huge theme park person, but from how the place has been described, it just sounds like a whole lot of, a whole lot of cliché cheesiness. I mean, I grew up on the Harry Potter series. I lined up for hours for book releases. I read them aloud to my little brother until he was old enough to read them himself. I'm almost 20, and he's 16 now, and the whole concept of a theme park just seems like a trivialization of our lives. If I'm ever in America, I wouldn't dare go to Harry Potter Land as the use of something that so defined my childhood as a means for Universal to generate more profit sickens me. It's just another clever economic ploy to cash in on mommy and daddy and defile children in the memory of childhood. So strong words coming from Leah. I don't think Eric had this strong of an opinion. No, definitely not. I, I wouldn't say that I'm not going to visit it. I think you definitely should visit it if you've ever loved the series because I think I have the confidence from J.K. Rowling's involvement, just that she's signing off on it, that it'll be worthwhile, yeah. worth a visit. And I, I didn't feel that strongly against it. I just thought I thought the three rides were kind of you know upsetting that it only had three rides, but... That's how Islands of Adventure works. Mm-hmm. All right, Micah, could you read the next email? Next email comes from Sarah, 25, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and she says, If you remember the documentaries in the bonus editions of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, documentaries tell the story of the creation of the film from the buying of the script and the screenwriting all the way through post-production. In the Lord of the Rings docs, I don't believe you got to the casting part of the documentary until the second or third disc. I assume these HP docs are formatted in the same way so that, when all the movies are finished, these docs could be viewed on their own as one eight-hour-long documentary. That would explain why Sorcerer Stone's hour-long portion will cover the pre-production of the HP franchise, and Chamber of Secrets will then cover casting. I assume Prisoner of Azkaban's might cover creating the world and set design, and so on. So there you go, Eric. There's a little explanation for you. That's that's good. So that's... Stop complaining! Well, seriously, though, I, I, just, I do want to see... Whenever they get to the special effects of the series, I really want to see Dobby and, you know, as the tennis ball. I want to see Dan acting with the tennis ball. I think yeah. I agree. Because That'd that be was great. famous. Well, that was a famous news story. They're definitely saving it all. I mean, they have all the footage. It's just waiting to be released. I think they're going to do it when all it's released. I think this email's right. It better be on an Ultimate Edition. And by the way, I'd like to uh, add something, add to what I said last week. Um, we talked about the pricing of the Ultimate Editions and... I was like, it's not that bad. And Laura was like, oh, that's bad. And I was like, oh, I guess that is bad. But I thought about it more. And the Blu-ray edition is only $40, I believe. That's not much. Yeah, it's not much when you consider that Blu-ray one-disc movies right now cost about $30. So if you're paying another $10 for you know, three or four more discs 
and a book and it's stuff. Like forty nine ninety nine. For okay, so it's fifty dollars. It's still a really good deal, um, yeah. compared to other Blu-rays. So I just wanted to take back what I said. Uh, Eric, would you like to read the next email? Yep, the, this one comes. From, yeah, let me oh, just say these next sorry. few emails um, are all about what people would change about the series because we got a lot of feedback. We asked for your feedback, so thank okay. you for sending those in. Here's what people would change about the Harry Potter series, part one. From Sophia, age 16, of Pennsylvania. Hey, Mogocasters. If I could change something about the Harry Potter series, I think I would let Fred live. Mm. I know J.K. Rowling wanted someone from the Weasley family to die in order to show the grief of losing a family member, but I wish it hadn't been Fred. I think it would have been really heroic if Percy had rejoined his family and then fought and then died for them in the Battle of Hogwarts instead of Fred. I think it would have achieved the same message. The twins were always a favorite of mine, so it was just so sad that one of them had to die. Yeah, I think um, I think they're right. I don't think it would have achieved the same thing if Percy right. had died. Well, I think it would have been interesting to see him turn against his family and then die for his family. That would have been an right. interesting sort of thing. It wouldn't have been as tragic, though, because, I mean, it, we didn't have much time to, for the audience to really, like, regain Percy as a favorite or exactly. anything. I mean, He's... he was still, we went throughout the series as not liking Percy at all. And then all of a sudden he is redeemed, and then one chapter afterwards he dies. Yeah, it's just what are you a writer on Lost? I mean, yeah. you know, once he's <laughs> redeemed, he dies. Seriously, the uh, but but yeah, I mean, Percy, you're right. And Matt, Matt, I was thinking the same thing that Percy, it, it just wouldn't mean much. It would be mm-hmm. a completely meaningless death if you know this guy who we didn't even care about because we 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 cut him out. You know, we cut him out in in book five. You know, if he just comes back and all of a sudden he's a good guy again, but you know, then he dies. It just it. I don't think it would have worked. Matt, could you read the next email? Sure. Our our next email comes from Kiara Ossolinsky, 15, of Baldwinsville, New York. And she writes, what I would change? Part two. Hey, Mugglecasters, I just wanted to let you know what I th- that I think you are all totally awesome. In your last podcast, you asked us what we, what we, the listeners, would change in the series. What I never got, and I guess I would change, would be Hermione, Hermione falling for Ron. What's wrong with me? I was to be expected with all of the hints throughout the series, but why would Hermione, as quote-unquote the brightest witch of her age, settle for someone like Ron? Not saying that Ron isn't great, but someone so intelligent as Hermione and someone as dumb as Ron getting together? I don't really know who I'd put her with. But I saw her ending up with... I never saw Sorry, but I never saw her ending up with Ron. I just wanted to know what you thought on the subject, but can't wait for another podcast. Um, I think, I thought that was pretty funny because I think a lot of people would probably disagree with her. Um, it does seem like the personalities clash, but hey, opposites attract. Very true. That's what Paula Abdul said. And many others before her. <laughs> yes. But I, I, th- I thought it was interesting that in this, in this comment that she didn't say that, you know, she didn't say Harry and Hermione. She said, you know, she doesn't know who Hermione would get together with, but that it seemed interesting, you know, that she got together with Ron. And that's kind of a thing that wasn't explored. I mean, it was with Crumb, you know, that that Ron and Harry would both have to watch Hermione go off and and you know be romantically involved with someone that wasn't one of them. Maybe uh, maybe once Hermione uh, saw that Harry was going after Ginny, she had to marry Ron to to stay close to Harry. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe she secretly maybe Hermione uh, regretted it later on down the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why am no. I not with someone intelligent? I'm sure he's a good father. She she fell for him. I mean, you know, she was just torn apart in book seven when Ron ditches them. She's, she she has enough brains for both of them, just like how Fleury was with um 
with Bill. Was it Bill? <laughs> I have yeah. enough booty for both of us. <laughs> and Bill was like, you said booty? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm French. I said beauty. It just sounded like I said booty. And then I come in and I say, well, you're Clement's pussy and you have a nice booty. And then I get thrown off the set. Kind of weird. Wow. Um, that was really drawn out there. The, the last email for today comes from Claire, 16 in North Dakota. I just finished listening to your episode 181 and loved hearing your thoughts on what you would change in the books if you could. While there are many answers I could probably think of uh, that would be much more deep, there is a detail that has been bothering me a lot over the last few weeks. I literally grew up on Harry Potter. My family started reading it out loud one chapter a night when I was five or six. Because of that, I never really questioned the name Death Eaters. The more I think about it, though, the more lame a name it is. Death Eaters? Is she making some allusion to cannibalism? I'm convinced that if someone told me to read a book today and mentioned that it included an evil organization called the Death Eaters, I would refuse to read it on principle. So, um, I, that's one of those things I agree. You grow up on it, so you don't realize it. But then if you stop and look, at, you know, if you take a step back and look at it, it does kind of seem like a silly name. Death Eaters. Well, yeah. I, th- I think it also symbolizes um, the fact that they're above death. That they can, that death, you know, how, they, how a predator can breakfast. eat its prey. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, what else do you do to, like, the death squashers, the death the stompers? The death squad. The death army. <laughs> the doctor yeah. death. I don't know. Well, I mean, the whole point of them was really to follow Voldemort, right? And to, to sort of purge the world of non-purebloods. So, the fact that they, in a way, eat death is is For breakfast. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. breakfast with some milk. Jeez. I don't know what they have for lunch or dinner, but it's a big breakfast. I don't. I don't know. I don't think it's an allusion to cannibalism. I know she said that kind of sarcastically, but yeah, mm, it is interesting. It's one of those things. And uh, all right, so that's Muggle Mail for this week. We have one last email today, and it's in our chicken soup segment. Micah, could you read that for us? Sure. This comes from Katie, seventeen of Normal, Illinois. Didn't know there was a town called Normal. (laughs) She says, Dear MuggleCast, over the past many weeks, I have been so busy with school that I have not had any time to relax. Consequently, this means I have not had time for (gasps) MuggleCast. This past weekend, I was diagnosed with H1N1. I have been bedridden for the whole week. While I have been incapable of doing much to pass the time, my unlistened to muggle casts have been here waiting for me. I have finally been able to listen to all that I need to catch up on, and they've been a big help in making me feel better. So thank you, MuggleCast, for helping me recover. Love, Katie. So Katie has a bit of the swine flu, it seems oh, well, like. We hope you uh, get well, Katie, and we're glad MuggleCast is there for you. Um, and finally, a couple announcements today before we let everyone go and remind you about our contact information. Uh, don't forget to vote for us on Podcast Alley. And uh, also, as we've been mentioning over the past few weeks, Infinitus 2010 is coming up very quickly. It's going to be in July in Orlando, Florida. It's going to be at this beautiful uh, hotel right on the Universal property. And all these Harry Potter fans are going to be gathering, including us, to... Uh, check out the Harry Potter theme park for the first time all together. So it's going to be really exciting. It's July 15th through the 18th, again in Orlando. Uh, so for more information, visit infinitus2010.org. And if you register, which you should do quickly because um, the prices will be going up in a couple months, um, 
put MuggleNet or MuggleCast in the little referral area so they know we sent you. And we'll see you there in the summer. And lastly, Eric, you have a reminder about your um, your roller coaster tycoon contest we brought up a couple weeks ago. So far, we've only gotten one entry from Jennifer Baxter, oh. who sent us her Harry Potter uh, inspired theme park um, from Roller Coaster Tycoon One. We're asking for the save game file, uh, which can be found on your computer if you play Roller Coaster Tycoon uh, Number One with either of the expansion parks. We're doing a, a Harry Potter themed park, and this contest runs uh, through. I'm going to announce the winners the last week of October. But I can tell you so far, the winner is Jennifer Baxter, who sent us her <laughs> Harry Potter World theme park. Fucking good. So if you want to change that, we're going to have a few more weeks for you guys to play around in the game. You know, maybe it's been a while since you played. Send us your Harry Potter theme parks. And also send us your feedback on uh, chapters one through three and chapter by chapter if you, uh, if, you know, you think we missed anything. And you may be asking, well, how do I do that? How do I send you my feedback about the chapters? Well, just visit MuggleCast.com and you'll see a contact link towards the top of the site. And there you can fill out our handy feedback form. Or you can contact any one of us using our first name at staff.mugglenet.com. Okay, so uh, you can also visit MuggleCast.com to follow us on Twitter. We have a new Twitter box right on the top, right at the top of our site. Uh, and you can also fan us on Facebook. Don't forget to vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. And you can find some other links on our on our site, uh, including an iTunes link. If you subscribe to us through iTunes, we recommend we'd we'd, we'd appreciate it actually if you were to rate and review us on iTunes uh, on iTunes. So just click the iTunes button, then you can post your review about the show. We'd really appreciate um, your feedback, so potential new listeners can read your reviews and say, "Oh, well." Maybe I'll enjoy the show, too. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannebaum. And I'm Matt Britton. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time with episode 183. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, skip make the music connection because... No! Yes, no, I don't even have any songs every, 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 every week. And and we even got an email. Okay, I went into the MuggleCast Gmail, and oh, there was God. someone who specifically sent an email that said, you guys haven't done make the music connection in ages. And I know like from the recording ago. standpoint that you skip it every week. You're like, we uh, we have it in the schedule every week, and you get to it. Number four, make the music connection. <laughs> Andrew, I will just skip do, make the music just connection. Just do it. It's only All like right. three or four songs. All right, that means... It's not like it's a ten-person show. There's four of us. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Such all a, right. Such a all right, all right, all right. Because Joe will use her Twitter to reveal she's actually writing to me, this is MuggleCast, episode 182, for... I don't know the date. Oh, don't you hate when that happens? <laughs>